Hello and welcome to the Violin Geek Podcast. I'm Laurel Thompson and today I wanted to share some rhythm troubleshooting tips with you. And the first tip is probably just figuring out if you have rhythm problems to begin with, which you may not be able to do. You may need a teacher or a trusted friend to do that for you. But once you figure out that, yeah, I could work on my rhythm some, which is something that probably all of us could do at least a little bit, um, probably the first tip is actually just not leaving rhythm until the very end of your practice when you're preparing a piece or a fiddle tune or whatever you're working on. If you put in all of the fancy stuff and then you think, okay, now I want to take it up to speed and add my rhythm back in and make sure that that's really solid. It's not going to go as smoothly probably uh, than if you had done that from the very beginning. So you might think that, well, gosh, I, you know, I don't think I want to put the metronome in there until I'm pretty sure that I know everything about the piece. Well, actually, putting the metronome in at the beginning when you're even just sight reading can be a really great tool for figuring out where you actually need to work on certain sections. You might not know unless the beat is telling you that you need to uh, fit that shift in there or you need to um, count that triplet a little bit differently than you were. Um, than when you have the metronome working for you. So that's a huge tip uh, that can really streamline your practicing and, uh, and really get you up to speed a lot quicker than had you gone and, and just worked on all the little sections um, without that much uh, mindfulness about rhythm and then later added in. So I know we've all done that, but, um, but that's okay. We can start new. We can start fresh. <laughs> So I find that one of the biggest problems with working with a metronome and rhythm and counting and all of this is when we just don't start at the right time. And sometimes we may not know this. We may put the metronome on and we may think that everything is just going along great. And then when we actually check back in with the metronome maybe a couple measures in, we realize, wow, I'm really off. Where did that happen? <laughs> so... Um, that's also something that sometimes, you know, just a teacher can really tell you if that's happening. But if you're your own teacher or it's uh, during the week when you're practicing and, and you don't have a teacher there right then, um, you can certainly record yourself playing along with the metronome and listen back and see, okay, was I right in with the metronome? I know this seems like really common sense stuff, but you wouldn't um, believe how many times I've, I've reiterated myself on, on these sorts of things with students and... It's like, yeah, just record yourself. Are you starting on the beat? So um, sometimes we don't know. And so I'll give you an example of starting on the beat and starting off the beat. Um, not purposely off the beat. Sometimes we want to do that, of course. But um, well, yeah, let's just let's just do a little a little bit of a practice in here on um, how to start with the metronome or start at the right time in the metronome. Sometimes we're on off beats, as I was just saying. So let's say. We're just going to do some quarter notes, something really basic, starting on um, an open string with the metronome at 60. So 60 beats a minute, essentially. So if I was going to count in here, you'd be surprised how many times people might come in and think one, two, three, four, and there's their starting note. And if you hear that, it's a little bit behind. So you really want to be able to jump in there and have the metronome be something that is, is as close to you as your heartbeat. So you're thinking one, two, three, four, one. And come in right with that metronome beat. So those are quarter notes. What if you're going faster? Let's take it up to 120. Nice allegro. 
one, two, three, four. Okay, we don't want to hear one, two, three, four. Notice how even counting I wasn't quite with the beat. So the count is very important. First off, you really want to get with that metronome, and there's been a lot of times when students are just kind of wishy-washy with the count in. So, um, so let's try that one more time. So one, two, three, four. Okay, so you hear how those are just going right with the metronome. It's almost like the metronome is this accent at the beginning of your bow stroke. So just practicing that. If you're not used to practicing with a metronome, just practicing what I just did would be an excellent place for you to start. What if we're going to be doing eighth notes and we don't want to put the metronome at a beat that will be for eighth notes, you know, really fast in this case. It would be like 240 beats a minute. My metronome doesn't even go up that high. So how am I going to count myself in then? Um, if you're not that familiar with counting rhythms and subdividing, go back and listen to my rhythm trainers. I have a few of them back over the years and you can find those and that kind of breaks this all down. But for now, I'll just give you this example. Um, really, we're just trying to focus on starting with a metronome, but um, this can be a problem sometimes for sure when we have to do eighth notes, but this is our quarter note beat, right? So the subdivision is one and two and three and four and. You notice how the one, two, three, four, again, it's going right with the metronome beat. One and two and three and four and. One and two and three and four and. Okay, so it's really important to go with the metronome there. We don't want to hear a one and two and three and four and. <laughs> it's actually hard not to go with the metronome, but um, you get the idea that, you know, that can be kind of all over the place. And if we're not counting in in the right way, then starting in the right way is even more challenging. And then sometimes we are counting in in the right way, but then still we don't quite start right because maybe we're waiting for the metronome. It's like, oh, there it was. Okay, now I, I'm going to jump in. Well, it's already too late. You might as well just go back to the beginning and try one more time. So um, let's see. What if we, let's just do one more example here. Um, what if we aren't starting right on the beat? What if we're, we have like a pickup? You know, a lot of um, pieces maybe have an eighth note pickup into the downbeat. So we're not actually coming in on one. We're coming in on, say, the and of four. So we count one and two and three and four, and then we play, and then we come in on the downbeat. So we're actually coming in between two metronome beats, so that can be kind of tricky. Similarly, if we're in an orchestra and we're sitting with a conductor's baton, right, that can be a little bit tricky. Like, okay, when do I actually come in? Most of the time the conductor would actually give that, but... Um, who knows, you know, um, you really have to be watching really carefully and in, in the case of a metronome, be listening very carefully to when that is actually coming in and counting, counting appropriately to come in. So let's say we're still playing eighth notes and we're going to come in on the and of four. So the, the very last eighth note that could be in a measure of four, four time. Again, refer back to the rhythm trainers if you're completely lost at this point. Okay, so here's our beat. I'm going to count in. One and two and three and four. You hear how it just sounds like a pickup? And one and two and three and four. So that's how you would jump in there. Um, so those are enough examples for that idea of starting in at the right time. 
So then another issue that can sometimes get in our way of, of being with the beat is if we're taking too much bow or we're just not managing our bow. You know, sometimes I've, I've seen, um, particularly when, the, when a piece is getting faster, and I remember one experience of watching a fiddle jam session. Uh, you know, a lot of towns have Sunday fiddle jams at maybe like a, an Irish pub. Maybe it's kind of like a Celtic-y Irish um, Kaylee, essentially, and people will be going around and leading a tune and everyone's joining in. And, and I was watching this one fiddle jam several years ago, and I was noticing how on the jigs, which are in 6-8 time, most everyone was together, but then the reels, which are in 4-4 time, and, and therefore they feel a little bit faster, I noticed all of these fiddlers were just going, like their bows were just going crazy. <laughs> so fast, you know, and they're using so much bow. And the fast part isn't a problem, but the fact that they were going fast and using so much bow was definitely a problem. Everyone's falling behind, and I noticed, you know, I'm just kind of watching. I wasn't playing at that point. Um, and just observing this, like, wow, you know, if everyone were to cut the amount of bow they're using right now in half, they could actually keep up with the piece just fine, because I'm watching their fingers, and their fingers are doing just fine, but their bows are just, you know, on, on overdrive or something. So that is so common, is to just take too much bow. So, so that example I just gave you, you know, maybe you come in at the right time with the metronome, but then the problem is more that... Uh, once you get into the eighth notes, or, or maybe, you know, even worse, it's 16th notes that you see on your, your sheet music, you know, and you see black, and you're like, oh my gosh, and you start just sawing away and using so much bow, because there's this idea, oh, it's faster, so therefore I have to use more bow, I have to go faster, you know, actually, if you were to condense all of those movements, then you could actually accomplish them in a more graceful and, and quick way, right, than, um, than just using so much bow, because it takes time to use that much bow. It slows you down. So that's, um, so that's one idea, and uh, not managing your bow goes along with that. I guess there's some other examples for not managing your bow, too, which would probably be like um, if you had like a dotted rhythm. A lot of us have played Suzuki material, I think, and in book one there's the song The Happy Farmer, so that one, sometimes we can get off with the rhythm. It has this uh, dotted quarter note, eighth note pattern. So I've, I've seen a lot of students have problems with that rhythm because maybe they're using um, not very much bow, say for the dotted quarter. And then they're like, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> so in that case, you know, using roughly three quarters of the total amount of bow you're using for that figure for that dotted quarter note and then using the other quarter of that length of bow for the eighth note because that's the ratio of those note values, right? Dotted quarter to eighth note, right? So three eighth notes go into the space of a dotted quarter note. So using, and there was our pickup note, pickup note and then dotted quarter using a good amount of bow and then a little bit of bow. And that's a down-down, so I know we're not seeing this visually, so it might be a little bit confusing, but if you've played that piece, you definitely know what I'm talking about. So that's just an example of not managing the bow, right? And um, you can probably find examples in the music that you're playing right now where you could manage the bow a little bit better to make sure that the rhythm is right on. So then another possibility when you're getting off on the rhythm 
could be just forgetting to count rests or longer notes quite long enough. Um, I remember that happening to me when I was, I guess I was about in fourth grade, I was playing a Vivaldi concerto and getting ready to perform it um, at the school. And I remember being feeling incredibly embarrassed because there was this one note that I think was supposed to be held. It was either a, a whole note or it was like a whole note tied into another half note, so six counts. So four or six counts, I can't remember which one it was, or which Vivaldi concerto it was, or movement or anything right now, other than I just felt really embarrassed that the um, the music director was, was pointing me out in front of the whole class, because I mean, I was performing it, right? I was getting ready for, to perform it, so everyone else is there too, playing along with me, and said, you know, you have to hold that for a couple more beats there. I'm like, oh my gosh. Because I think we can kind of check out when the longer notes come, unless we have a metronome with us. We just think, oh, yeah, now I can just sit back and relax. But no, we actually, we're still counting, we're still active, and, you know, to get the tone we want, too. We want to we wanna stay mentally engaged uh, for those, those whole notes and um, whole note ties or whatever is going on. So, and then rests. That can always be a, ne a nemesis, particularly in orchestral music where you're going on and on with rests and rests and then maybe you just play a few notes and then rests and rests and rests and um, a little eighth rest that gets lost along the way or a measure um, that's miscounted or something can really mess you up down the road. So be really careful and, and I like to put little slashes in my music kind of above the staff. Um, it's almost like the, I guess we call it like a backslash, you know, that you see in like a URL. Um, I put those kind of above some measures when I when I, I want to remind myself to count and to count carefully. So I'll put those, say, on the beat. Um, that helps a lot for me when it, there's a syncopated measure, too. Or maybe visually it's like hard in the moment when stuff is all happening together to really figure out where the beats are falling. So I use those slashes, and, and um, for rest, those help a lot, actually. Um, cause sometimes, yeah, the rest kind of all run together in a visual way, you know, but the, the little backslashes above the staff, just in pencil, you know, um, really make a big difference I found. So then another possibility, if you're finding that you're having trouble with rhythm, you might be starting to rush when the note values get the same, you know, like you've been going along and everything's fine and then you get to a section that's, it's all 16th notes for measures and measures and measures. And I think sometimes we can kind of get into almost this, um, it's like a rat race, you know, <laughs> with the 16th notes. And um, maybe in some sense we're nervous about it. In another sense, we want to get through to the end. Um, in any case, we can definitely find ourselves rushing through those sections and finding some sort of a, a beat, a, a broader beat that you can rely on. In the case of 16th notes, maybe, you know, every, um, like every quarter note beat. So this is our beat. 16th notes would be a 1E and a 2E and a 3E and a 4E and a... So... If you're just playing... After a while, you might get off, but if you were to put a little bit of weight into the first ones, the ones that go with, with each beat, you can hear a little bit of a difference there, hopefully. There's a, right, a little bit stronger on, on all the ones that go with the metronome beat. Then you're more likely to stay with it. Um, 
in classical music generally we don't want to have such a rhythmic drive like that but when you're practicing that could be something that would help you and then later on you can kind of lighten it up a little bit and make it a little bit more smooth but still having like some sort of sense of that broader beat it could even be beat one beat three you know it kind of depends on the phrasing how you're gonna how you're gonna work with that but just finding something that's not like note 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 something that that has some sort of a pattern you know even though all the note values are the same so like a one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a something like that can really be helpful when that's a problem and again if you don't know ask a teacher or record yourself um, and and try and and be a detective there and figure out okay what's actually happening here it can actually be a, a few different things sometimes so then um, also actually on the topic of rushing I should mention that um, sometimes we're just rushing when when the sections get harder which is an interesting one I've had quite a few students where they're like oh I'm still struggling so much with this one section and then I listen and maybe we put on the metronome and they're like yeah you're rushing and if you just were to like take a deep breath and relax in that section you could probably actually play it just fine um, you're making it harder on yourself so sometimes you know when a hard section is there sometimes it might be just because you're rushing um, so then we should really always think about rhythm as being a bow problem and I haven't really mentioned that exactly in this podcast yet but um, but that's definitely the first place you should look for problems and sometimes people have problems with rhythm because they're actually hoping that the left hand fingers are going to be doing the rhythm work. I think of the left hand fingers as more of a timing thing because um, sometimes we keep a finger down you know or sometimes we're just doing an open string or whatever you know it's really it really is a matter of the bow doing doing its job and yes I mean sometimes we might do several notes in a slur <laughs> In that case, it's like, well, it's kind of the, the, the left hand, right? That's They have to fall at all the right times in order to get that smooth and not all da-da-da-da-da-da, you know. But, um, but there's still, um, for the most part, in most situations, the bow's going to um, gonna drive your rhythm, going to inform the fingers when they need to fall. So, um, so if the bow isn't leading, then that can be a problem. So with the metronome sometimes I do see people jump in uh, with the fingers at the right time but then maybe the bow is waiting for the fingers to fall so it's even worse if we're waiting for the metronome to go then the fingers go then the bow goes you know then it's like this step-by-step -step thing and everything's kind of off and we've got a you know when we really want so anyway <laughs> all sorts of different things so definitely you know just it, as a mentality think about the bow being being your rhythm leader um, and then sometimes we're not preparing the bow for the speed of the passage that's going to come in so if I were to go back to those eighth notes we were doing previously with the metronome maybe I'm thinking one and two and three and four and but when I jump in maybe I'm, I'm kind of thinking a little bit slower or a little bit faster so one and two and three and four and hopefully you hear the problem there right okay so you really need to be thinking okay how's fa how fast is the bow going to go when you're counting in if you're counting in just kind of lazily one and two and three and four and you know that's not really going to jump you in at the right place and your bow's not going to be moving at the right speed if you're thinking okay How's my arm going to move? One and two and three and four and. 
you're gonna jump in just fine. All right, so then I think the last thing that really stuck out for me when I was thinking about all the problems other than just not knowing what rhythm is about, not knowing what the note values are, not knowing how it goes, essentially. Um, I was thinking about when we just don't choose the right metronome speed or um, if maybe we're not playing with the metronome, but we just don't, we don't choose the right speed to really practice a section. And then we have rhythm that's kind of all over the place. I was working with a student recently where she was pretty much up to tempo on every part of her piece except for this one little section. And we found in that section she pretty much couldn't play it with a metronome at any speed. Like she just, she didn't feel that rhythm with any sort of beat. It was just sort of random. And so that was a problem, you know, we had to work on that. We spent a lesson, good part of a lesson anyway, really working on that. And then the following week she came back and she had actually taken the whole piece up um, up to tempo and in that part was fine. So so sometimes, you know, we're we're maybe thinking, okay, the tempo at the beginning of this piece is what I really want to do and I'm just going to go for it and figure it out and it'll be fine, you know, and just, it's cool if you can actually do that, but most of the time I don't think that's really possible, you know, there's always going to be a couple little trouble spots where we need to practice slowly and we might feel like, well, what's the point of practicing with a metronome when I have to practice slowly? Like the metronomes may be more for speed, I think, in a lot of people's minds, but even if you're practicing at a really slow tempo, practicing with a metronome is still really, really, really helpful. Um, again, because, you know, it's forcing you to fit all of your technique into time. And music is really that connection between melody and more like kind of um, that like left brain creativity type stuff. And then more the right brain like time and, you know, um, having that discipline that the metronome gives us. So when we only have one and we don't have the other, then we, we just don't have the fullest expression. And we can get away with having strengths on one side and, and you know, being a little bit weaker on one side. But but when we're, we're just not even giving any sort of um, clue to, the, to one side, you know, if, um, and it can go both ways, you know, maybe we've got great rhythm, but our tone sounds really bad, you know, <laughs> the dogs are howling every time we, we try and um, practice, then yeah, then that's going to be a problem. So you really owe it to yourself if you're a little bit rhythm challenged to take some time and, and practice rhythm. And there are a lot of rhythm sheets on the internet. If you just uh, type in like rhythm, um, rhythm practice, rhythm sheets, uh, something like that, you know, you'll come across these websites where they just have um, it's not even a staff. It, it's just all of the note values of different rhythms and put on the metronome and have that be a warm-up. Um, at one point I was having, and actually I was doing it myself, I was having some students do snare drum solos. Um, it's all just one pitch and, but it's lots of fancy, you know, fancy rhythms that you wouldn't necessarily come across even in, in fancy violin work. So, um, I mean, you would, but yeah, uh, it was it, it was a lot more odd, I guess <laughs> I could say. Um, most of those rhythms that that they were having they're having you do in those books. So there's there are all sorts of possibilities, but it, it really is kind of a foundational building block that um, does need some time to develop. And some people have a better sense of rhythm than others. So um, it's definitely not something that um, it's like 
if you're not born with it, you can't get it. But I think these tips that I shared with you today, if you feel pretty solid with rhythm, but then there are still some issues, then um, hopefully this will just clear it all up. And, and I'd be really interested in hearing your experiences if maybe one of these examples that I shared with you um, gave you that, you know, that missing key to your rhythm problems. I would love to hear that. And you can go and write that on my Facebook wall or send me an email. Um, yeah, so you can find me at Laurel Thompson Music on Facebook, or you can email me laurel at laurelthompson.com. And that's my website too, laurelthompson.com. So L-A-U-R-E-L-T-H-O-M-S-E-N. I have some CDs there on my site that I did last year, and hopefully I'll have another one coming out this year, but um, I'd love for anyone to go and check those out and download them and share them with your friends. Um, also, you know, you can find me on YouTube, and um, yeah, just uh, I have a lot of, of new musical um, adventures that, that I've been up to in the last year or so. So yeah, go check me out if you haven't yet. Otherwise, um, yeah, check out those other Rhythm Trainer podcasts and you can get more of this sort of rhythm rhythm stuff, which um, it's always good to circle back around to rhythm, you know. It's definitely, it's not one of my, I think, strongest, strongest points growing up. Um, playing violin, you know, is always the thing that I was like, ah, rhythm. But I've really come to love the metronome and I've really come to love when I'm, I'm on and I can kind of groove with it, whether I'm playing classical music or some other sort of music. It's like there's a certain, certain thing about when you're really, you know, you know you're with the beat and you're with the people you're playing with and there's really no question. It's sort of, there's a relaxing feeling there that I hope you all get to experience. So anyway, until next time, happy practicing.